Her Sports Rugby Show, brought to you by Energia. Think of the possibilities. Hello and welcome to Her Sports Interpro Rugby Show, brought to you in association with Energia. Think of the possibilities. This is the first episode of the series and we'll look back at the action from last week and also preview what's coming up this weekend. We're joined by former Ireland international Hannah Tyrrell. Hannah, it's great to have you back after Christmas. Yeah, great to be here and talk about this. So in relation to the Interpros, you saw lots of the action. You were down at um, the match um, with Munster and Ulster. Um, for those, I suppose, to, to start off first, who might be familiar with the Interpros, what are they and how are they different to the Energy AIL? I suppose like the Energy AAL is, is a club-based league, um, you know, and it's played over a much longer season and, and you have your, your league format and, and winners at the end of it. I suppose the Interpros are an opportunity for players who have played really well and kind of stood out in uh, the Energy AAL league to represent their province and kind of make that step up and see if they can produce and, and put in the same performances um, at the next level, you know, and a lot of these players would be players who would also have hopes to, to go on and, and represent Ireland and put on a green jersey. But for some, you know, the, the Interpros and, and playing for your province is the highest level that they will get to. And it's a huge honour, you know, growing up uh, when you're watching rugby, it, it's the provincial teams and the men's side of things that we see. So for Ulster, Leinster, Munster and Connacht, you know, these girls are maybe growing up seeing these on TV all the time. And it's great for them to have an opportunity to pull on these jerseys themselves and, and the Interpros only happen once a year you know and this year's format is just each of the provinces play each other once and at the end of it we will have an interprovincial um, winner you know and, and based off of, of the last tournament we had Munster coming into this as um, reigning champs you know and they uh, beat out Leinster in a hotly contested match uh, in that final in the last tournament so you know it's always just a great opportunity for players to get some more game time, which is always is needed, but also see if they can make that transition into the, the next step up and then potentially can they go from there and put their hand up for, for an Ireland cap uh, come the Six Nations. And in terms of the competition, like we were at the um, Leinster Connacht game at the weekend and there definitely seemed to be a lot of people there, great attendance, great atmosphere. Like, have you seen the attendances and support grow over the past couple of years? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know... Even since when I got my first Lencer cap, I think it was back in 2018, um, maybe 2017, I'm not actually sure. But, um, you know, there, it, the tournament itself has changed and grown. And, and previous turns we saw that uh, there was actually home and away fixtures that were happening uh, for both teams, which is great to see because, again, it's more game time at this higher level and, and at this higher standard and giving players, as I said, that opportunity to see if they can fit in at this level. But... Yeah, look, obviously the, the media coverage um, you know, and even the provinces themselves and clubs have been pushing for people to attend and achieve tickets. And the last number of years, uh, the games have been on TG Cahar, which is great to see. And this year, all games are televised either on TG Cahar and BBC Northern Ireland. So it means that if you can't travel to a game, you can still switch on the telly. And of course, that's going to you know, garner interest. And then when it comes to the Six Nations, you'll be able to spot a lot of these players that you know put their hand up in these interpros. So it is great to see, and I have seen over the years that attendances have grown and interest has grown, and that's thanks, thanks, like you know, that's thanks to the the media opportunities and as I said, that TV coverage that it's getting. 
Yeah, no, it definitely was like a like really good competition um, at the weekend, and, and we know there's some great upcoming matches as well. So, um, definitely something people you know should tune into or attend if they can. Um, in relation to, I suppose, um, you know, people playing for different teams, we have Sonia and Aoife McDermott uh, on opposing teams. We're assuming as sisters that they're coming from, from the same area. So in relation to players being selected, can you give us a bit of an insight, um, you know, how different people end up playing for different teams? Yeah, of course. Like, so for me, obviously, I, I was born in Dublin, um, you know, always supported Leinster growing up, um, you know, played for a Dublin club. And so when an opportunity came, uh, to be part of the provinces I only ever wanted to play for Leinster mm -hmm. you know for other players there's maybe been opportunities where they have parents who are from other provinces or other counties than those that they were born in and, and for the McDermott uh, sisters you know Aoife and Sonia they play for railway uh, in Dublin Aoife obviously has uh, numerous Ireland caps and they're raised in Dublin but they have Sligo heritage mm -hmm. um, and they're often spending time back home in Sligo but also um, you know for Sonia, I suppose she felt like her roots were much more connected to, to Connacht. Uh, there might be an element of, you know, Connacht were the team that actually approached her first before Leinster, um, you know, and they end up playing for, for two different provinces. And, you know, it, it's a great story to see. It's the first time they got to play each other at the weekend. You know, obviously Aoife slightly happier, um, you know, <laughs> coming off it. But I think it was Sonia's debut as well. So that was obviously a really nice and special day for her. And, Look, they're not the first, uh, like Sonia's not the first uh, player that has represented province different from what she has done in the past. We've seen the likes of Larissa Muldoon, Sene Nupu and um, Nikki Kai who have played for one province previously. Yeah. And then because of either work or living, um, living arrangements, they've actually switched provinces and played for another. So Nikki and, and Larissa played for Ulster and then represented Leinster uh, and Sene moved from Connacht to uh, Leinster and... You know, it does happen and it's nice to see, but I suppose as long as you're willing to play for that province mm -hmm. and represent and feel like you're part of that province and that they're happy to have you in that team, I don't see a real issue with it. You don't really see too many Munster players moving though. And, um, <laughs> you know, that's one thing I would say is that they are very much, uh, they're from Munster and they would hate to represent anybody else. Yeah, I guess um, some of it is really down to like where the opportunities come. Like we saw it on the pitch, we were like, hmm, that player's from here or they play with that club, but definitely about that opportunity and you're talking about experience and game time. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember a story years ago, like the great Ali Miller, you know, one of the best Irish players we've ever produced. Um, you know, she's from Leash. She grew up in Leash her whole life, uh, you know, and she said that when she got into rugby, she joined quite later at age 26, that Connacht were the team that uh, approached her first. Yeah, and so she yeah. went with Connacht and ended up playing with them. And then it was only after Leinster realised she was pretty good and they were like, oh no, we've, we've missed the boat here a little bit, you know. And in fairness to Ali, she stuck with that province for her whole career and, and it was a massive boost to Connacht rugby at the time. And um, yeah, that's just the way it goes sometimes, yeah. where, as you said, where the opportunities come yeah. from. Look, you see it on the, on the men's side as well. It's just trying to give people a, an insight into, into how the, the competition works. Yeah. Um, so we saw some club mates face each other as well. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Like, what's that like when you're, you know, playing with someone one week uh, on, you know, on the club uh, scene and then you're going to, to play them in the Interpros and you have to line up against them? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Or Yeah, look, I suppose, like, it's nice. It's different, I suppose. Um, when, as you say, you're lining up with your teammates uh, week to week and you're getting to know them really, really well. And then, you know, if you're lucky enough, you go off and you play Ireland together as well. But sometimes with interprovincials, you're from different areas. And we particularly see this in Dublin clubs, the likes of Belvo Railway and Black Rock, because, 
you know, uh, Dublin obviously is attracting not just obviously good players, but for other, you know, work and, and living arrangements and stuff like that. So the likes of BlackRock and that Leinster um, Connacht game at the weekend, you know, um, Leinster had the likes of Hannah O'Connor, uh, who'd be really, really good friends with Laurie Feely, who, who <laughs> lined up in the front row with um, Connacht. And it's nice to see, you know, you get a good enjoyment off it. You're obviously frenemies in that instant yeah, yeah. where you want your team to win, but you're able to have a bit of a laugh with them uh, around that. But, you know, these ladies are, are competitive, uh, you know, I know them quite well. And, and regardless of how friendly they are on and off the pitch, I think they both would have wanted to win um, at the weekend, you know, and obviously that, that didn't happen. Sometimes you can be like more competitive with your friends, like you, you do want to beat them. So like, as you said, everyone is competitive on that pitch. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it. You want to be the best. And then, as I said, a lot of these players will be putting their hand up for uh, international selection come the Six Nations. And unfortunately, sometimes your, your best friends in rugby are the ones who play the same position as you. Um, and therefore, you have to be competitive because you want to be one step ahead and you might be fighting with your best friend for a jersey in that regard. Like, and, and that can be quite difficult to see. You know, I know Dorothy Wall and, and Hannah O'Connor play in the back row together uh, for Black Rock, you know, and then Hannah plays for Leinster and Dorothy plays for uh, Munster. And come, coming into the Six Nations, they, those will be fighting for a spot in the back three. And, you know, as I said, friends off the pitch, but not on it during the Interpros. Yeah, for sure. So in relation to the Leinster-Connacht game, that was the first one up. The score was 38-10 to Leinster. Pretty competitive game, like quite tight in the, in the first half an hour. And then it seemed when Leinster kind of got the first score on the board, um, they kind of kept coming. Uh, but Connacht definitely put in a, in a good performance against them. Like, what were your overall thoughts on that match? Yeah, look, obviously going into the game, um, Leinster had, had contested the, the last uh, Interpro final. Um, you know, and you, before that, they had won two in a row. Um, and so, you know, going into it, that Leinster are always going to be a very strong squad. And the squad they put out was actually quite interesting. And they left a little bit of firepower on the bench, which was interesting to see. Uh, and it paid a lot of dividends for them in the game. You know, and on paper, it looked like it should be an easy win. And actually looking at the result, 38-10 is a fairly comprehensive win. But that scoreline doesn't reflect how the game went. And, you know, I think uh, the first half of the game, Connacht really came out guns yeah. blazing. And they, their defensive setup was really, really good. And they were very well coached there in that regard. And they got an awful lot of turnovers. You know, Leinster was still the very much dominant team. But they actually just couldn't get that final pass or that final execution, get some points on the board. Um, you know, Connacht held them up a couple of times. They, uh, there was a brilliant uh, try-saving tackle from Ava Ryder in the corner. You know, and uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised to see how well they were managing this Leinster attack. Um, you know, who are coached really well by Tanya Rosser, who wants to play that up-tempo game with loads of offloads. Um, but eventually, you know, that dominance paid off, and uh, once they kind of got that first try and. The floodgates opened a little bit and you know Connacht never stopped trying they they persevered and they gave 100 percent and i was delighted to see orla dixon uh, get that score in the corner from a beautiful crossfield kick from nicole fowley but at the end of the day leinster just were too strong connacht maybe suffered a little bit from fatigue particularly towards the end of the second half and and as i mentioned that leinster backline that impact they have the likes of elisa byrne white come on and scoring with her first touch and molly scuffle mccabe and ireland international to come off the bench you know she was a bright spark for them at it um, was a fairly solid win for Leinster, but I, I can imagine that going into next week's game, if they start slowly like that, um, there'll be a lot of damage done. Yeah, no, I was definitely really impressed um, with, with Connacht's defence, as you mentioned it. Like Leinster, it seemed like you had to stand up and see how they got a try, how they not got a try. 
Um, they were so close so many times, but Connacht, um, you know, really put in a good effort to to holding them up. And I was glad to see that they um, they did get a couple of scores of their own because it def definitely felt like they deserved it. Eva Dalton was the Vodafone player of the match. Um, she was everywhere. What, what did you think of her performance? Yeah, look, she's played quite a tricky uh, position there at 13. You know, for me, um, it's pivotal, not just an attack in terms of inviting your back three into the game, but defensively 13 for me in the back line is the most difficult position because you're the target focus for attacking teams in terms of uh, what they do with the ball, you know, and you're the one who has to make those quick reads. And we see it in the men's game with Gary Ringrose. He's very, very good at that. And I was really, really impressed by Aoife Dalton. She's quite a young player, getting her first cap for Leinster. You know, uh, she was lucky in that regard that she was playing outside a vastly experienced player in Jenny Murphy, who I'm yeah. sure was talking to her all the time. But uh, yeah, she was everywhere. She was putting in big tackles. She was making the right passes. And I think what makes a really good player is someone who does the simple things right. She didn't do anything flashy in the game, you know, and there's no uh, big highlights of her, you know, throwing an offload at the back or anything else where we're like, wow, but she just did the simple things well. And that is massive for your team to click and gel and, and to get those scores. And she was involved in a load of those scores going wide, particularly Ella Roberts' first one and, and for Jenny Murphy and Katie Whelan to get involved in their tries too. Yeah, Jenny Murphy got a, a couple of tries over the line. Yeah, look, uh, great to see Jenny back in, in a blue jersey. You know, she's had her struggles over the years uh, with injuries and stuff like that. She converted to back row at one point, but she's back in her original 12 jersey. Look, she's been a stalwart for Ireland in her career. And, you know, she's a big name player and, and she's well able to do it and well capable of this standard still. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she's big, she's physical and uh, she, she took her two tries very, very well. A little bit of footwork thrown in there. I'm sure she'd be delighted, but... Um, it's, it's just great to see her back up and healthy and as I said there was a huge mix of, of youth and a lot of players getting their first cap there so it was nice to have that experience around that with the likes of Jenny Murphy. Yeah no that's why like I thought she looked comfortable and I thought she definitely instilled confidence in some of the other players that were there and you could see her kind of evaluating the game and, and just making sure that everything was going right from a, from a team perspective. Another player that you've uh, spoken a lot about I suppose from the Energia um, AIL perspective was Dan O'Brien. She got two assists and a solid off the boot. Did she impress you? Yeah, look, I feel like I'm her number one fan at this stage, to be honest, you know. I just think she's turning into a really, really solid 10. And that season of AIL rugby has just done her confidence the world of good. And as I said, players always just want to play and, and try and improve their game. And for her to be able to play in a team that was quite successful this season with, with Old Belvedere coming third uh, in the league, you know, she got a lot of minutes and opportunities to actually grow as a 10. And I think that's a big thing. The 10 position has been a tricky one for Ireland over the past number of years because it takes an awful lot of time to settle into 10 and be a good 10 and develop and learn the role that is there in order to not just boss around her forwards but also be able to open up that back line and, and for me uh, she has just gotten better and better every time I see her and she was directly involved in a number of tries at the weekend, she had a beautiful break herself, her kicking is a huge huge addition for her and you know, I've no doubt that she has cemented herself as the starting 10 for uh, come to Six Nations. Now, look, I know there'll be a couple of other players who might be too happy with me saying that, but um, she kind of is the standard bearer for me right now. And there's still a couple of games in the Interpros for other 10s to step up. But um, yeah, like she's young. She's still a lot of potential there to develop and get even better. But yeah. um, it's great to have her there. And I think we need that continuity at 10. One to watch for sure. 
And you're talking about kicking there. I thought Nicole Fowley played a good game for Connacht. Um, accuracy seemed pretty good throughout the throughout the game. What did you think of her performance? Yeah, look, Nicole's been around a very long time, and I think for her, and she'd tell you herself, her biggest strength would be her kicking game. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, she, we saw that in the Energy AAL. She was the third highest point scorer. Um, you know, and, and got um, got Weegans out of trouble an awful lot of times with her kicking. But you know, she wouldn't have had a lot of front football. Connacht had very little possession. Um, but she was well able to use her exits well. She got them on the board with uh, a penalty early on. And then it was her crossfield kick uh, that allowed Orla Dixon to score. And it was nice to see Connacht get that and be rewarded for their defensive pressure and also be that attacking threat. Uh, and she nailed the conversion as well. So I'm sure she's feeling a little bit revitalised and, you know, would again be hoping that her international days aren't over um, and, and would be sticking her hand up for, for a place there too. Tommy, has she got a background in GA? <laughs> I actually don't know. Uh, I'm sure she does, but I think she's been rugby through and through for a long yeah, time. Yeah. But I'm sure she played at some point. I'll find out for next week. <laughs> Plenty of people have a crossover, obviously, including yourself. So two sports that complement each other. But I just was like, surely she played football yeah, as well. She probably did. I actually think she was a soccer player. Interesting. We'll, uh, we'll have to get onto her and get the, get the full insight. Uh, so there's two good stories uh, from that game. We had Jenny Murphy and Clara Barrett. Um, Jenny had been involved in coaching Clara like what do you think of that story yeah it's incredible and I think another thing to note as you mentioned is that Connacht team like put in that big defensive shift and eventually unfortunately were overwhelmed a little bit and the scoreline got away from them but they actually had a serious number of teenagers in there and Clara Barrett being one of them I think they had four teenagers in their team and it's something like 14 players in their entire squad are under the age of 22 so you have to take that into account that when you look at the Leinster squad who have numerous players who have not only uh, provincial caps but uh, international caps that this Connacht team have a lot of um, potential there and just again need more game time and for a lot of them would have been their first step up into this kind of higher level of standard mm -hmm. than the league but yeah look that you love a feel good story in rugby and it, it's great to see that you know once they were kind of seen as this role model and now you're playing alongside them in the same um in the same competition, but Clara Barrett's only 18. She came off the bench to make her debut, and I'm sure she could only have dreamt of being able to take the pitch with uh, the likes of Jenny Murphy, having watched her for so long over the years. And it is great to see, and it's really heartwarming. Yeah, and it's great to see the picture of the two of them together. I'm sure they were uh, chatting after, and maybe Jenny was given a, a bit of a debrief. I'm sure Jenny felt a little bit older than she did at the start of that game. <laughs> But it's great to see with, with both Connacht and Leinster, like as we've mentioned, like there's on both sides um, th th those players with experience and then, you know, on again on both sides, a few people that are coming on for, the, for their first caps and then that youth that's coming through. So it's great to see that handover experience and definitely a lot of potential on both sides uh, going forward. Yeah, and like it's just shown that the pathways are there, you know, and that if we put in that funding and give opportunities for these younger players that they will develop and these pathways are there for them to then make that step up into provincial and then hopefully international. And have you ever ended up playing with or against some of your role models? Um, well, yeah, look, obviously, like when I, I, I started rugby late, you know, I didn't pick up rugby till I was 23. And, I, you know, um, I remember watching the likes of Nora Stapleton and those play, mm -hmm. but I would have known Nora Stapleton particularly from her GAA days uh, or anything else and then I, I got to play with her all Belvedere and also be coached by her but um, yeah she definitely would be one that stands out for me um, it, it's a very surreal feeling I think at first when you you go from watching somebody on the telly or kind of watching them mm -hmm. in matches and then all of a sudden you're on the same pitch with them or you're training with them but uh, 
it, it's nice to see that usually they're, they're normal people too, just like the rest yeah. of us. We um, caught up with Rashida Adelecki over Christmas and uh, we were chatting to her about racing like Sean A. Miller who's like a household name and she said you just have to like have that few minutes of like stardom, fandom and then just like Back to business. get in your lane and, yeah. and crack on. Um, and then in relation to Eva McDermott and, and, and Sonia, uh, we we're talking about obviously like frenemies, but this takes it to another level. What do you think it was like for them for to be facing off against each other? Yeah, look, I'm sure once the fixtures came out, they knew that that was going to happen fairly quickly once they were both in the squad. I actually saw on their Instagram they had, they had breakfast together, uh, which is really nice to see. So, you know, I'm sure uh, there was a few jibes over breakfast going on and like that, wishing each other good luck, but not too much yeah. good luck in this, that and the other. But uh, I wondered did they have a bet on or anything else to see who uh, who would win or, or if they could get any big tackle in on each other. But yeah. no, it is. It's nice to see, and I say it's nice to see with the family. I think we had another issue again bringing up Ali Miller. I think Ali Miller a few years ago ended up playing for Connacht and playing against her little sister Grace Miller, who played with Leinster uh, one year. So not the first time it's happened. And yeah. look, I, as I said, I think it's great to see, and hopefully we see it again down the line. Yeah, a great day for the family and we know they got their pictures and everything yeah. after, which is good. So in relation to Connacht, you mentioned that there was a lot of young players there. We're saying 14 players under the age of 22. Um, Lyndon Jones, the head coach, noted that he was missing some key players like Bavin Parsons and Anna McGann um, due to the sevens, which we'll be watching out for over the next few weeks. Um, how do you think that they'll assess that match overall? You know what, I think, like, obviously they'd be disappointed they didn't get the win, um, but looking back on the game, they'd be very, very happy with massive portions of that game and they'd be able to take those positives, as I said. If they come in uh, to the Ulster game with that same level of defence and aggression and intensity, they'll absolutely blow Ulster away, um, you know, in the first few minutes. And I think, you know, had Connacht kept out Leinster uh, last weekend until half-time, that would have been an even... Mm like an even bigger um, kind of confidence boost for them or even if they had got points on the board first of all we could have seen maybe a different game and so I think Connacht will go out there with that same defensive pressure but also a little bit more attacking intensity and they'd hope to get the first score on the board and then kind of push on from there but they'll definitely take a lot of positives mm -hmm. from that game a uh, few little things to work on in terms of maybe one-on-one -on -one tackling and stuff like that and letting that game slip away from them when they were right there but um yeah, I'd say they'll have a, a good look at that and, and uh, analyse that quite well and be, be really positive going into that Connacht game looking to get their first win. Still to come is the discussion around the Munster-Ulster game from last weekend and we also give you a preview of this weekend's fixtures. But before that, we have a new fun segment for the show. We're going to show you some pictures of athletes combined and we want you to guess the two athletes uh, from each picture. Stay tuned to watch myself and Hannah try our best at guessing who the athletes are and also to find out the answers. We also have a few prizes to give away courtesy of Energia, so be sure to comment on the video below and we'll announce the winners next week. Okay, so after the game, it is now back to the rugby. Munster beat Ulster down in Musgrave Park at a score of 34-0. Wet and windy conditions, you were down at the match. Tell us the truth, what was it like? How bad was the welly? Yeah, look, it was absolutely atrocious. It was freezing cold. Um, weather conditions said it wasn't meant to rain and it absolutely <laughs> lashed, particularly for the whole first half, like driving sheets of rain and there was a swirling wind and I was really worried about the quality of rugby we were going to get just purely because it was so cold and so horrible out and 
um, you know, Munster really surprised me. I knew they were going to be strong um, coming into this, defending champs. They had a really good squad, but, you know, uh, they really came out of the blocks fairly quickly and um, they went on a rampage, scored four first half tries and got two in the second half. And the biggest thing is they kept Ulster to no score, you know, and a very, very difficult day for Ulster. And I, I chatted to Neil Alcorn before and after the match and pre-game he was really excited about the prep they'd put in and the potential of some players he lamented the loss of Claire Bowles quite late on who was initially named in their starting squad but has travelled mm-hmm. to New Zealand with the, the sevens team and she is a big blow for them mm-hmm. because they too would have a big mix of youth and experience but probably a little less so than Connacht and um, would really struggle for even that kind of Irish internationals or current Irish internationals. Mm-hmm. They did have three members of the uh, of Black Rock who won the AIL, so that was very helpful to them, but uh, unfortunately they were blown away by the strength and power that Munster had in, in the forwards and the back line, and they were no match for them, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, it's definitely tough to have a loss like that, and for Munster it was 31 minutes before they had registered getting a bonus point. Um, have you ever been on a team that's not managed to get any points on the board? Um... Yes, we lost to France in my last uh, starting game uh, in the Six Nations in 2021. I think it was like 53-0, I think, mm-hmm. maybe. Actually, we might have scored a penalty in that, but either way, it was a rough game. Yeah. And, like, you know, even getting no points on the board is very, very difficult, but even only getting, like, you know, even single-digit scores can mm-hmm. be quite hard when you're being absolutely pummeled on the other side. and. It's disappointing for Ulster because I spoke to Beth Cregan as well pre-game and she was really excited about the prep they had done and how you know these Interpro series can be kind of like a turning point. Yeah. But unfortunately, I'm not saying the quality isn't there for Ulster. It's just we didn't see it on the day. Yeah. Um, you know, and they would be looking. They probably would have looked at this first game knowing they were coming into it, it was going to be a tough, yeah. tough game for them to to play in, and particularly it's a hard one to start the Interpros with because it can have a knock-on effect, but they definitely would have been targeting this weekend's game against Connacht, uh, for sure. And in terms of picking themselves back up, have you any advice for the players? I suppose it's trying to take the positives out of the game. So Ulster definitely were much better in the second half. You know, they had a lot more possession. Their scrum was a lot more steady. Um, you know, they had a couple of line breaks, but Munster uh, managed to snag them back. And they kept Munster to two tries in the second half, one of which was literally right at the death. Um, you know, so they did have improvements in the mm-hmm. second half that we did see, and they're kind of the positives they need to look at. They can't just wash over the the negatives they did have, such as conceding four tries in the first half, and they need to shore up some um, things. I thought their defensive line speed was very poor, and they were very passive. And for a team like Munster, who love to really run at you, you're just giving them opportunities to run at you, run around you, mm-hmm. and, and win the game line. And so they really need to change that coming into the Connick game. And a standout performance from Old Belvedere player, uh, Dervla Nikaverd. Um, two tries, plenty of runs, um, and a position switch uh, in the second half. Uh, what did you think of that? How did she play? Yeah, look, again, uh, I spoke about Derv uh, and the great season she had, and she ended it with captain as all Belvedere, and uh, she is just a ball of energy. I've played her at sevens uh, for many years, and, you know, she is uh, not massive in height, sorry, Derv, but um, she uses her physicality really well, and she's a background in uh, martial arts, and she uses that to actually get over the ball in her defensive stature, but 
Her footwork and her explosiveness off the mark is brilliant and she just refuses to go down. She's massive toughness and she didn't play for Munster in the last Interpros um, and she was a great addition and if you look at the back row that Munster had the weekend, you know, Dervla Nicovard, who I've no doubt should be selected for this year's Six Nations, Dorothy Wall at six and Maeve O'Gallery, another mm -hmm. Irish international at seven. You know, um, best back row we saw uh, all weekend in those teams and, and a very difficult one to come up against and you know, Derv just was the shining light in that mm -hmm. and as you said, she, she came off at half time, thought she had a bit of a niggle and they maybe were saving her for the big game next week and then I saw her warming came up to, to play as hooker which is where she had her 15s uh, first cap from and that just shows her versatility I suppose mm -hmm. um, and she loved it, she just loves to play, she was enjoying herself mm -hmm. out there and she bagged herself two tries and had a, a, num a hand in a number of others mm -hmm. including a break from her own 22 off the back of a scrum and as I said, she's just this ball of energy that refuses to go down um, and uh, I, I can't wait for the, the number eight battle between herself and Hannah O'Connor this weekend. And uh, nice to have that versatility as a player. Yeah. In relation to Munsters, they're being coached by Neve Briggs. Uh, as you said, the defending champions. How do you fancy the chances this year? Yeah, look, obviously it'll all come down to this weekend's game, but right now they were kind of the team to beat. Um, you know, whoever... Uh, I spoke to Neve Briggs about this as well after the game, that... Um, you know, while they had a brilliant first half and scored four uh, first half tries and a couple of other opportunities, you know, um, and their backs and their forwards were scoring tries. The second half, they weren't as good as they were in the first half. And I don't know, was it fatigue a little bit? Their first came back. Was it a little bit of complacency? Probably a mix of Ulster actually improving a lot as well and making it a little bit more difficult as well as the conditions. But, um, you know, if Munster want to go in and win this Interpros, um, they have to put in a much better performance over the course of 80 minutes and not just in, in short bursts because, you know, if they give um, Leinster a, a snip of a chance next weekend, you know, they'll do damage and, you know, I do think it's going to come down to, to this game the weekend to see who, who the outright winner is. And you've talked about some of the positive things from an Ulster perspective, but you mentioned earlier on that there's one Ulster team in the, in the AIL. So talk to us a little bit about that and, and what the impact is. Yeah, so like obviously we're all about the development of, of women's rugby around the country and the AAL being the, the highest standard that we have. And we have four Dublin teams, you know, and unfortunately this year we saw that Malone had to pull out um, really quite close to the start of the season and that left a number of players in the lurch. But they only have one one team in Ulster, one option if they want to play AAL. And on the actual um, Ulster team sheet, a lot of those players were playing for uh, teams that were a division below AIL and unfortunately then that means that when you go and play Interpros, you know, that that is a massive step up to what you've been used to and unfortunately I think that's what uh, took Ulster by surprise, the intensity and the level of physicality that Munster came at them with and they kind of weren't expecting it and ended up on the back foot a little bit but hopefully next year we'll see the reintroduction of another Ulster team and I know that they're doing great work up there in the background, so, so hopefully we can get some more women's teams up there. And in relation, I suppose, to all the teams, you know, they're playing with clubs, sometimes we have other athletes that are involved in the Irish setup. How much time do the teams have together to come together and gel and, and you know, try and put out their best performance? I think this year is probably one of the years in which they had an awful lot more prep than usual. I think they've been together as a group since the Energy Area final, which was the last three weeks, but I know that. Uh, from Leinster's perspective that they had been doing sessions kind of back in the summer a little bit and then took a break and here and there so and um, they definitely would have had a lot of prep uh, in the summer that ex expecting another tournament that didn't happen and got pushed out a little bit 
probably then a break and play with the Energy AL where they're all playing continuous rugby and then I know they had a kind of a three week intense break and a couple of them played a friendly last weekend mm -hmm. um, just to kind of get back into the swing of things but uh, it is great to see that obviously you know because regardless of the talent you have in a team it takes time to gel and get used to certain attack plays and whatever way a coach wants to play so uh, you can tell that you know, Munster uh, have been around before. We talked about 11 of their players had been involved in the previous mm -hmm. uh, tournament. And you could tell through Leinster and the way they kind of played and gelled that uh, they had played together before, you know, and there wasn't a huge mix of youth mm -hmm. maybe that we saw with Connacht. And is it tough, I suppose, to come in and try and gel players quickly? Like you obviously mentioned there, Dervla, Maevogue and Dorothy, like having consistency playing together in, in other setups. And um, for those that don't, can it be tough to try and come together and try and make it all work? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a big thing in rugby is that you have, with your club, you might play a certain way and, and certain roles for, for uh, certain positions. And then you go to uh, your province and the coach wants you to play a different way or your particular position is not the same as your role in club and the calls and stuff like that are different. So that can take a few weeks to kind of get that into your head. Um, and then also just to be able to execute that under pressure and everything else takes another thing. So... The more time they have together, the better they're going to get. So I do anticipate that, you know, teams will be a lot more cohesive this weekend and then even next weekend after that. Yeah, we definitely see it across um, a number of different sports when people are trying to, you know, whether it's gel, let's say, into provincial level or, or an Irish squad. We're going to head over now to guess the athletes where you can see how myself and Hannah got on. We found some of it tough. Uh, we want to know your scores, so comment below and let us know how many that you got right. Ooh. Neve Briggs. Eve Higgins. Is it Eve? Eve Higgins. No. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that's Eve Higgins. Is there... Oh. Is it Neve Briggs, though? No. I don't see Neve Briggs at all. Eve Higgins and. Who are you seeing? Like, whose eyes are they? Oh. Mm -mm. It's definitely Eve Higgins. Who's? Mm. Two random, two players. Lock it in. Oh, I, actually, I couldn't say who the person. It's a player, so it's definitely not Neath Briggs. Yeah, it's not. Current player. Hmm. You did say the name. Oh. Me or her? Baven. Is it? I knew. You said no to me. Oh, it didn't look like him at all. <laughs> okay, all right, that's a good one. That's tough. And yeah, it's Jenny and Nicole Fairley. No, Mary Healy. Okay, I'm locking in Nicole. Go on. Are we right? Yes. Oh, good show, good show. What? This is a child. <laughs> uh, is it a combination of two? Yeah, and one's a former player. A former Is it Marie Coyne? You're not good at this game. I'm not Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> I backed you on Eve. I, I backed you on Eve. I, I got Nicole. <laughs> but like, is that not like a young Marie? Like? A current captain of an Irish team? Nicola Friday. And a former captain. What? Oh, and an Irish team. Oh, oh. An Irish team. Oh, Lucy Mahal. Definitely the hair. 
Yeah, it's the right shape of the face. Whoever has that face is so young. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna kick yourself for this one. Um, Former players are Oh, Claire Malloy. Of course it's Claire Malloy. It's so tough. Some of the combinations are really hard. Who the hell is that? <laughs> I know who it is. I know who it is. Who is it? Have a good look at that. Is it Emer? Like you're looking in the mirror. Is it me? <laughs> I don't see that at all. <laughs> there you go. How did I get Dorothy and not myself? I don't know. Emer. <laughs> yeah, there's no question. Is there anyone else with Emer? It doesn't look like exactly like it. Um, I think it's someone with dark hair. Nicola Friday. The eyebrows got me. The eyebrows, I was going to guess Amy. That's it. Oh my God, go back there. That just looks like Emer. Doesn't it? Isn't it like the same? But it's, are, are her eyes different? I can't believe I didn't get myself. <laughs> I was like, I don't see this at all. I don't know that person. <laughs> it's just some of the combinations when people are quite different. Yeah. It like, so that's what they like I got Dorothy and you were like, hello. <laughs> so that's what they ever would look like if they, if they procreated together. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Oh, that one is so weird. We certainly found them pretty tough. So comment below and let us know how many that you got right. Coming up this weekend, we have a huge clash. We have uh, last year's finalists, Munster and Leinster, together at 12.15 in Musgrave Park. I'll be live on TG Cahir. Uh, Munster won the final last year, 19-7. How do you think it's going to go this weekend? Yeah, look, it's obviously hard to judge. I think it'll be a tightly contested match. I, I really hope I'll be down there this weekend, so I really hope the conditions are a little bit better, not just for me personally, but also for the quality of rugby on show, you know. And... Um, we have two very talented sides. It'll be interesting to see, do Leinster make many changes considering the impact their bench had? Uh, I would be very surprised if Munster uh, changed it up a little bit. We might see Chloe Pierce start, who was just coming back from injury, uh, you know, and she was a uh, player of the match in the um, final last year. So uh, it will be interesting to see, but this is the game of the weekend. You know, this is the game that for me is going to decide the uh, Interpro title unless we see a shock uh, in, in uh, the third round of games. But, um, from what I've seen, you know, Munster with the quick starts and the way they go and, and the, the key players really stepping up, they seem like they have the slight edge. But overall, I would say that Leinster's depth uh, gives them a massive mm -hmm. advantage as well. It wouldn't surprise me if this game ended something like 23-21. Uh, I can't even call it who it's going to is be. That, that I'm trying to keep my Leinster bias off <laughs> and they obviously want Leinster to win, but... Um, you know, I just really hope it's a really good game of, of uh, rugby. As I said, Munster need to put in that performance and start fast and keep that for that 80 minutes or at least 70 minutes or so. Whereas Leinster can afford to have that slow start and want to get points on the board early. And, and we'll see, do they still have that firepower to bring on from the bench? Okay, so give us the official prediction there. 23-21 to one of the teams. <laughs> <laughs> Very vague. Okay, so later on at half two, Ulster are gonna face uh, Connacht in Kingspan Stadium. Uh, both teams are gonna be looking to bounce back. Um, obviously, uh, we had a competitive enough game from, um, from Connacht, a, a tough game for Ulster. Um, the last time that they met, they actually drew 12 all. So what are your predictions for that game? Yeah, look, I think going into this game, based on performances we saw last weekend, that Connacht would be, uh, 
in my opinion, the, the team that looked more likely to win. However, you know, we've seen before that uh, past performances mean nothing and it's all about what you put on the day and also will be smarting from their defence. And obviously being a home game, they would want to really uh, start strong and get on the board fairly quickly. Uh, I was really impressed by Ella Durkin playing at 10. She usually kind of plays centre, so interesting to see what they do there. But she's a bright spark for them who'll be looking to kind of lead her charges. I still think Connacht have the edge. Uh, some of those young players coming through are really, really impressive. I was, I really like the look of Ava Ryder uh, on the wing. She didn't get enough ball though, so mm -hmm. hopefully Nicole can kind of get that to her. Um, and that experienced partnership of Mary Healy and Nicole Fowley will be huge. Um, just based on what I've seen, I think I would go with Connacht probably 19-10. I'm going to give Ulster the benefit of the doubt. I really mm -hmm. hope they score because um, it can really change a team, the confidence you get just even one score. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be a lot of excitement around the competition this year, which is obviously great to see. Um, and there's, you know, plenty of opportunity for people to either, you know, tune in on TG Cahir, but also uh, to go down to the matches. Like they're all around the country, so there's lots of opportunity for people to go down and, and you know, enjoy the, enjoy the tournament. Um, for those that maybe aren't familiar with some of the players, um, who are, I suppose, some of the key players that you'd... Um, recommend people to watch out for in, in the two different matches? So I suppose you're looking uh, at the Connacht Ulster game which has actually been uh, shown live on BBC Northern Ireland this weekend um, from an Ulster perspective you'd be looking at the likes of um, Ella Durkin that I mentioned at 10, uh, they also have a really uh, good player who came off the bench and I think should be starting this weekend in Amber Redmond who plays 9 so that could be a really nice combination mm -hmm. they have from a Connacht perspective, uh, Irish international Laura Feely obviously puts in a big shift. Orla Dixon at centre. Uh, and as I said, Ava Ryder on uh, the wing. From a Munster perspective, there's plenty of players who are, are uh, trying to put their hand up for Irish uh, selection. So Aoife Doyle scored a lovely try at the weekend. She probably has the best feet in the energy at AIL. Um, she'd be one that'll be looking to do a bit of damage along with Nicole Cronin. And then you bring in that 10-12 partnership. Again, both of them kind of vying for a 10 jersey as well with Ireland. So we'll really see with Leinster this weekend, there might be a battle between Dana O'Brien at 10 and Nicole Fowley at 10. But Enya Breen obviously wanted to put her hand mm -hmm. up and put in a good performance. And then it's a huge battle of the back rows in this Munster-Leinster game. So I've, I've no doubt we'll see the same back row for Munster and Dorothy Wall, Derville Nicobard and Maeve O'Goleary. Um, and then there was an injury to Ali Coleman this weekend. So I'm actually not sure who Leinster might bring in. Um, I would love to see Emma Murphy back uh, for she tore ACL a couple times now and she's back so it'd be great to see her get a go but Hannah O'Connor from eight would be looking to lead that pack and, and put her hand up and also I would love to see Claire Gorman back in uh, she, she got her debut last week on the wing for Leinster herself and Anna Doyle linked up really really well but Claire Gorman got injured so hopefully her, her injury is not too bad and, and she can make a case for herself for the upcoming Six Nations. Certainly something we're looking forward to this weekend and as are you. So thanks for all that insight, Hannah. That's it for this week's episode of the Hearthsport Interpro Rugby Show brought to you in association with Energia. Think of the possibilities. Tune in next week as we will review the huge clash between Leinster and Munster as well as the game with Connacht and Ulster to see who comes out on top. Keep involved in the conversation and we'll see you again in the next episode. Hearthsport Rugby Show brought to you by Energia. Think of the possibilities.